This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Colette Arendt, a transsexual poet from Athens, Georgia. She's the author of the poetry collection Hold Me, Gorilla Monsoon, and is the editor of Fanfight, the wrestling section of Fanbite Media. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. I don't think we're going to top this, so I think uh, that's as good a time as any to move into our, our last letter. Um, which is very sweet, but also it's long. So I don't want to read it. I want to make you read it. Would you read it? You want me to read it? Okay. Yeah. Happily ever after, the next generation. My daughter Audrey is five and loves hearing stories about when my wife Jade and I were dating. Jade is a fantastic storyteller who can make the most mundane memory sound like the notebook. I like hearing them too because she remembers all these little details and it makes me feel appreciated. She always wraps up these stories by stressing how they led to Audrey being our happy ending and how much we love her. But Audrey came to a conclusion I wasn't expecting from the story of how we met, and now I'm wondering if we're reinforcing romance as the ultimate goal for our little girl. I know she's already going to get that message plenty from everywhere else. When Jade and I met, I didn't know I was gay and thought I wasn't interested in dating because I was so focused on being on top of my class in law school. I eventually figured out that I wasn't cut out to be a lawyer and that she was actually interested in love and Jade was there for all of it. I've always seen that as a sign Jade helps me balance myself out, but Audrey said, why would you want a job when you could be in love? And kept scrunching up her face and shaking her head when I tried to explain that both have value and that I didn't give up school to get married. Audrey also seems to have taken my initial lack of interest as proof that women really do want romance even if they think they don't. I never thought out of all the toxic messages in the world, I would be the one to put this in our daughter's head. When I pointed out that Jade is also a woman and didn't have to be convinced, she parroted what Jade said about knowing she wanted to be with me right away. Jade, for the record, just kept laughing while I tried to explain the nuances to our starry-eyed five-year-old. She thinks it will teach Audrey about how she deserves to be loved when she gets older, But I remember growing up with the idea of romance as the only worthy thing a girl could achieve, and I don't want Audrey to think that. I don't want her to look down on romance, but I don't want her thinking it's the most important thing in the world either. I know she's only five, and this isn't a guarantee of how she'll turn out, but she seems pretty fixated on it in a way she's never been on any of the other kinds of stories we've read to her. Is this something serious enough that we need to stop telling these lavish stories until Audrey's old enough to understand, or am I worrying for no reason? This was really sweet. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, again, I guess an important caveat, like the last letter where we were like, well, neither of us is a lesbian. Neither of us have children. Um, So, you know, there's that. But, I, you know, I remember being five, kind of. Um, Yeah. I have a lot of friends with uh, five-year-olds. Five-year-olds, it strikes me as totally, totally, like, not cause for concern that your five year old is like, jobs sound awful. I'd like to be in love. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> super, super reasonable. Frankly, like a reasonable response at any age. And I, I get that you're also like, oh my God, but I want to make sure that my like daughter does not grow up thinking that, uh, you know, she should just like marry Don Draper and never work. But like, again, like don't 
don't worry about like extrapolating this to that. Like that's not what's on the table. Well, the letter writer didn't. Like the letter writer grew up with the idea that love was the highest thing like a woman could aspire to. But then they went to law school and didn't seem interested in dating. Like it was, it's one of those things. Like you don't grow up to be the stories that you hear as a five-year-old. But there is something like both of us find Or rather you don't have to. Certainly some people. Yeah. Some people do for sure. Um, And those people are the protagonists of romantic comedies about 30-somethings who've never been kissed. Um, Like, you know, that's just the way that it is. But I think that you and I both said that this was very sweet. And I'm curious as to whether or not that's because it's kind of incredible that this five-year-old girl is hearing the story of a romance that she can see right in front of her because it's about her parents. Like, I'm trying to think, uh, like, you know, I've been a five-year-old. I've been a child. I've been a teenager. I've been a young adult. I've been, uh, you know, 25 even. And the number of queer stories that I would have encountered without seeking them out in my day-to-day life were so minuscule, like so small. Um, They just didn't exist. And like, here's this five-year-old girl who is getting like a frankly beautiful one told to her, not just in story, but in action and deed. Like, I find that to be amazing. And I I hope like, it sounds like this is the case, but I hope that the letter writer is celebrating that while at the same time having a little bit of concern about how this is being received uh, in actuality by the five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, you know, I, again, I get the like, <laughs> I'm picturing like Liz Lemon who's like, oh, we can't have a daughter. I'm already worried about her upper arm strength. Um, uh, and like, I, I get that like you're remembering the difficulties of your own girlhood and like thinking about what if that happens to her, which makes sense and is like kind and sweet, but also like, you know, yeah, as Colette was saying, there's some significant differences here in as much as like she's talking about like her mom's lesbian love story, which is different from the kind of messaging that you grew up with and is not at all like don't work. Um, like it's super, I don't know any five-year-old who's like, I can't wait to have a job someday. Do not worry about that. Like I, it, this does not have any bearing on whether or not your daughter's going to be able to like look after herself when she's an adult uh, or will start to like care about a college major at some point in 15 years. Like she will get there. You do not have to worry about like impressing that upon her now. Um, that's a cute, appropriate, five-year-old typical thing to say. And it's super fucking cute. You should tell all your friends, guess what? You know, <laughs> our kids said the other day, she's like, why would you have a job when you could be in love? And then all your friends will be like, right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Preach. Yeah, that's... <laughs> um, I think at the same time, like, this is being handled correctly. Like, it's being handled perfectly well. Like, yeah, you should have, like, if you feel that it's an issue, you should have a conversation with her about, you know, I don't know, the more realistic aspects of this fairy tale romance. But, like, at the same time, like, that story's being told as much for you as it is for her. Like, in all honesty, stories like that are are in themselves a romantic gesture, and and I, I I I'm so glad to hear that they're being appreciated as such. Like I'll I'll keep saying that because I do find this sweet. There are tears in my eyes right now as I think about like how nice this family seems. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very happy for them. I hope that Audrey does not grow up to think that life is all about romance, though you know arguably maybe it should be. 
Um, but you know, I I think that there's a good balance here between the the fairy tale aspect of the romance and then like the like, and this is this is how stuff works because this will be an ongoing feature of life for Audrey. I would assume is like the, this kind of story, like this kind of conversation like it's it's not a bad way to be like i think that this is great yeah and i would just you know again like letter writer i am not worried that you and your wife are gonna forget to like generally impress upon your daughter as she grows up like you know the importance of like trying to find a career that you like if you're lucky enough to be able to like make that decision like it sounds like you both think a lot about this kind of thing like she's gonna pick that up um you do not need to start now when she's five it's kind of like you know my kid's five and she loves popsicles should i be worried that like when she's 30 she won't like going to restaurants and trying new dishes it's like no like don't Mm -hmm. feed her an all popsicle diet but like i don't think you were going to do that anyways so Basically, I have no specific advice for you here. It's just like, you know, I I, I just like, um, I'm so worried that she's uh, gonna, like she's five. Five-year-olds are not that smart. And I say that with all love. Like I love five-year-olds and in some ways they're very savvy and canny, but they are also, you know, there's a reason that they don't like vote or write books. They're five. And so like, yeah, like she's just starting to form ideas about the world and um, five-year-olds get, you know, ideas fixed in their head for a while. And frankly, if they realize like, oh, this idea really freaks out mom and she really stresses like, no, graduate school is so important. Every time I say love is important, I'm going to get a real thrill out of being like, no, fuck graduate school. Love is all that matters. Like, so, and again, I think it's fine. She's five. It's not going to like impress that upon her for life. I just think that like the more you try to like make a didactic point about it now, the more she's going to be like, oh, shut up. Like, let her be five. Let her enjoy her bedtime stories about love. <laughs> Certainly mention, like, like, you could absolutely clarify when she's just like, and you never worked again, right? And you'd be like, no, I work. Don't be a goofball. Yeah, but, like, I woke up and I went to work. <laughs> you will impress those values upon her. They are clearly yeah. sincerely held. Do not worry. She is five. Like, beyond that, too, like, if it does impress upon her anything, and the idea that is impressed upon her is this is what a healthy romantic relationship looks like, what a gift. Like, what a gift. There's, yeah, these. These stories are are I I will keep saying they are a gift because they they truly are they're amazing yeah and I just like I don't mean to say any of this like you you know you're foolish to have been worried about this I just am like it really makes sense kids pick up a lot of stuff kids take away sometimes goofy lessons from stories um, and I think that you know certainly like if she's like hey this proves that women all want romance you can absolutely be like that's not true not all of them do. Um, and if she's like, I don't believe you, don't, again, don't worry. You said your piece. You can always cheerfully disagree with her on that front. As her brain gets bigger and her frame of reference gets wider than like the eight stories she's already heard, she will be able to incorporate more sometimes slightly contradictory information in her head at the same time. So she's going to add to like the initial impression is like, love is the best. Jobs don't sound very good. My moms are in love. Women want to be in love. And then when she's like seven, she's going to be like, oh, I heard about a woman who never got married and had a really interesting job. Fascinating. And she'll be eight or nine and she'll be like, oh, sometimes people change their sex. Interesting. You know, 10, 11, and 12, it's going to be like, sometimes I want to be in love all the time. And other times I don't want to be in love at all. You know, like she will add more and more complex thoughts about like love, sex, and gender and romance and desire the older that she gets. 
And um, you you just don't have to worry about like, if I don't nip this in the bud now at five years old, that's it. She's going to get a, like a terminal case of pillow princess and she'll never, ever, ever like want to think for herself or get a job. And she'll be so damaged by these awful, like outmoded ideas that a woman's value only comes from whether or not somebody else falls in romantic love with her. Um, that's just not something that you have to like bring to bear on the situation right now. And I say all that knowing that like, come back in 15 years. And if I was way off and you're like, well, Audrey's supposed to be in college now, but like, she won't do it. All she does all day is watch Disney movies and like bat her eyelashes waiting for someone to fall in love with her. Let me know. I will apologize in full. And I'll be like, I'm really sorry. You should have nipped it in the bud when she was five. I was wrong. What did you love when you were five? What was your, what was your favorite thing? Pro Jobs? wrestling. Pro wrestling. I loved it, which is a kind of job. That's a job people hold. <laughs> yeah. Did you even have like a sense when you were five of like, I mean, presumably you were like dimly aware that like adults go to their jobs during the day, but like, did you think much about the idea of a job? I don't think I did at five. I don't think that I did either, even though I think like looking back on it now, it's like school was our job. Like we had to go to school from blank to blank to give our parents time to go to their job. Um, like I don't remember what time you show up to school, like eight to three, something like that. Something stupid. Too early, yeah. It's way too early. Um, too early now. Like, who wants an eight a.m. job now? Oof. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a concept of what work was. I want to say until my mom started taking me to the factory, like on days where like she really had to or whatever, like on an off day where she had to go visit. And then, then I saw people working like in a Ford motor company factory building trucks, kind of hard to escape that when there's like sparks flying and loud noises and stuff like that. So I was, it was pretty early, you know, I went to like picnics for the UAW and concerts and stuff like that. So, um, I was introduced to it early. I was indoctrinated into the, the idea of the American workforce needing to unionize very early. Um, but when I was five, no way, uh, I, I had no idea what a job was. I, th- I think I my my general sense is it was around like first or second grade that we would start to sometimes get like in class assignments uh, that would be like you know who's in your family what does your house look like what do you want to be when you grow up what's your favorite book and I definitely remember writing stuff down for what do you want to be when you grow up and being like oh I'm just putting this down because I know you need an answer like I don't have enough of a frame of reference yeah, yet like, I, think I don't I would know. Be, like, I sometimes wrote down like astronaut. I'm just like, I was never interested in space like that. Like, yeah. I guess I thought it was neat when they were like, Neptune's a planet, but I was never like a space kid. So I was just like, oh, this is inauthentic. Like, I'm just saying this because you're asking me for an answer. Like, this is not, I, I just don't know. I don't know how many jobs there are yet. Not a lot. There's a, there's a small list. Uh, on them are astronaut, firefighter, police officer, Guy who watches fires and is alone all the time. Uh, that's, Wait, that's how is that thing. different from a firefighter? <laughs> no, that kind of makes fire. it sound like just like a voyeur who lives in his apartment and like that's, looks around for fire. Yeah, only your apartment is in the woods. Like it's a fire uh, fire watcher or something like that. Like it's a it's a real job. I got it was suggested to me as the job that I should take in high school. Wait, wait, like you just watch fires burn and you don't do anything about it? That's a job. No. I think that you're the guy who sees that there's like fire spotter. So like you see that there's a fire in the woods and then things start up. Uh, uh, I well, think. Surely that's just like a subtype or a speciality among firefighters, right? Like you'd still have yeah. to go to firefighter camp or whatever. They don't have to go to school, right? Like I think you go to forestry school for it. 
If anyone listening to the show is a current or a former firefighter and would like to uh, advise us on how exactly you become a firefighter, please let us know. Because I don't know if you have to go to forestry school or if you just like show up. Is there like an aptitude test maybe? For firefighter? I think so. I think that there's a difference between these two jobs. Uh, I think that the difference is that one of them you are living in the woods in a cabin. Ooh. And then the other one, you are a man who fights fires or a woman or a non-binary person who fights <laughs> fires in a truck uh, with the assistance of giant hoses and the such. Well, as as you've been saying this, I googled, is there a difference between a fire spotter and a firefighter? And um, according to my incredibly cursory Google search, I think you're probably right. Yes. Uh, it sounds like it's part of the like Bureau of Land Management or Fire Management as opposed to like local firefighting uh, operations. Um, and yeah, there's like basic living facilities, fire lookouts. Um, apparently, you must say fire lookouts. If you say fire watch, people will roll their eyes at you, according oh. to Peter Mackin. So a lot of eyes got rolled during this whole segment, <laughs> this whole aside. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's mostly like the U.S. Forest Service, the Park Service, and the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, but they are apparently hard to get. So, you know. I'll keep my eyes peeled for you. This actually sounds really great. Kind of, right? Yeah. The fire lookout community is small. And if you create drama, word will get around. Oh, I know what I'm going to be doing the rest of my evening. (laughs) It's going to be trying to find out what drama is going on in the fire lookout uh, community. (laughs) Um, What kind of trouble can you cause? There's only like, presumably the most drama that you can cause is like you start the fires, right? Like, yeah. Or like you leave like a Zippo lighter on in the trajectory of someone's like magnifying glass from across the forest. Thank you so much. I, I truly love like specialized careerist drama that like involves lives that I have I've never lived and this is definitely going to keep me going for the next couple of days so thank you for joining us on Big Mood Little Mood with me Danny Lavery our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with the guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. 